Today's scripture lesson for the first Sunday of Lent comes from Genesis chapter 9, verses 8 through 17. Then God said to Noah and his sons with him, As for me, I am establishing my covenant with you and your descendants after you, and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the domestic animals, with every animal of the earth with you, as many as came out of the ark. I establish my covenant with you that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of a flood, and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. God said, this is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I have set my bow in the clouds, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh, and the waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and will remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. The word of the Lord. Well, people of God, may the grace and peace of our triune God be yours today and forever. Amen. There is a song. This song, which is very well known, is sort of the theme song or perhaps the most well-known song of a movie. It's actually a movie musical, and this movie is very well known. And this movie is actually taken from a stage production, which itself is also very well known. Now, I think it's a pretty safe assumption that if I were to sing the first word of this song, you would instantly recognize the tune, know what song I'm singing, and you could probably sing it along with me. Let's find out. The sun will come out tomorrow. Bet your bottom dollar that tomorrow there'll be sun. You know the song, don't you? Of course, it's the well-known, hope-filled song that's the featured one from the show and the movie Annie. It's a wonderful, wonderful, optimistic song that reminds us that even if things aren't so great right now, it's going to get better. That sun, it's going to come out. Now, full disclosure, this time of year, I oftentimes find myself singing this song just with a little variation. This tends to happen when we find ourselves in the midst of, of kind of ongoing, gloomy, cloudy, dreary, midwinter weather. Now, you know, here we are in, in mid-February. The days are still pretty short. Yes, they're getting longer, but they're still kind of short. It still gets dark pretty early. And a lot of times we have this ongoing day after day after day after day of just gloomy, cloudy yuck. And usually in those moments, I find myself perhaps a little bit more sarcastically singing this same song with a few little tweaks. The sun will come out eventually. Least I hope so, because if not, that'll really stink a whole lot. All right, that one's weird, I know. And yes, it's sarcastic. But I think that both of these songs, the correct lyrics and this slightly more sarcastic one, they point to a couple of different ideas that sort of butt up against each other. As I already mentioned, it's that hopeful idea 
that if we can endure this harder stuff that we're in the midst of now, whatever it is, whatever this ongoing difficulty, this ongoing situation that has us down, if we can just hold on, brighter things are coming our way, that it will get better, that this is not the end and there's more to come. Now, I thought a lot about that. And I thought that was pretty fitting for us right where we are now. And maybe that idea begins to resonate from several different directions. Now, as I mentioned already, we're in the midst of winter. And even though you can probably see with the windows behind me and, and the light that's kind of coming in, it's pretty bright today as I'm recording this. We know we've had some of that really lousy weather in past days, the, the ultra cold when we couldn't really go outside very long. And it was cloudy and it was gloomy and it was just so utterly frozen that we couldn't do much. And that was hard. That's a common thing this time of year. I oftentimes talk with a lot of different people who say this is just a hard time of year. In addition, if we think about the church year and where we're at, the season that we're in, we're now into the season of Lent. I mentioned that right at the beginning of, of our video today. You can see the purple pyramids. And, and if you know, we kicked it off just last Wednesday, Ash Wednesday, a day when we began the season and we focused on our own mortality and our own brokenness and our own idea of death and yet the promise of new life that God brings into it. But that darkness that starts off there and then it bookends this five-week-long season at the end of Holy Week when Jesus dies on the cross on Good Friday. We've got our idea of mortality on Ash Wednesday and the death of Jesus on Good Friday. And this is a dark, sometimes hard season that we go through together, through that. That's another mentality. And folks, there's another aspect that we bring into this as a whole. I mean, I know we all have our own individual things that are going on, things that are different for everyone that might be its own level of hardship. But together we have one more aspect, this ongoing thing that's been going on seemingly for so long. And I've got an example of that, and you probably know exactly what I'm talking about. But earlier this week, I was walking through the church. I was actually down in the basement. I do this periodically just to kind of make sure that everything is still looking like it's supposed to and we're not having any facility type problem. So I was walking through the church. I was downstairs in the basement, almost directly below where I'm standing right now. And as I was walking through the fellowship hall, I happened to glance up and really see the whiteboard, again, directly below me, where normally I am teaching our confirmation kids. And when I stopped and looked at the whiteboard, I saw some writing on there and I really paid attention to it. Now folks, I've noticed this countless times before and probably just haven't really registered with it, but this time I really did. And I stopped and I read these notes that were written up on the board. And I noticed that they were individuals or types of people. And these notes were intended to be petitions that our confirmation kids wanted to include in the prayers of the people as they were planning for sunrise service on Easter Sunday. And folks, I knew just as I started to read those, as I was looking at them, I knew the exact date that we wrote those notes up on the board. It was March 15, 2020. We were about halfway through the season of Lent of 2020 when COVID came on the scene and it really began to affect our little corner of the world. That was the last time that we had gathered in person for that class. And that, since that was the, the last time we had in-person education period, there's been no reason to erase them. And so those words have been on that whiteboard untouched for a year. 
and it really struck me the amount of time that has passed and the sense of loss the sense of of mourning the sense of longing for that time before and the idea of what we have lost in the last year now I know I've had countless conversations with different people and we're all struggling with this we're struggling with the amount of time that's gone by we're struggling with the sense of normalcy that we no longer have. We're struggling with the frustrations of not knowing what to think about this whole virus and this whole pandemic and the way that we've responded to it. And even though things are beginning to improve, and they are, and I don't discount that, we also know it's not over. And that this year that has gone by, almost an entire year at this point, we're about two weeks short of a full year at this point, or maybe three weeks, but knowing that we still have a little ways to go before our, our vaccines are fully dis, uh, distributed amongst the common population, and that maybe we'll begin to regain a little sense of that safety or, or calm or normalcy, whatever we want to call it. It's been a year. And folks, that's significant. That's a lot of time for this disruption to be going on. But we hold something in common if we think about this time of year with our scripture. I know I've been talking quite a bit. Let's come back to the scripture now. We have the story of Noah and God's promise to Noah. Now, when we think about Noah, Noah is best known for the ark and the flood. Now, that's one of my favorite stories in the earliest part of the book of Genesis to talk about and to study and to teach about because there's a misconception within it. When we think about the flood, we tend to think, oh, the flood was 40 days, but that's not quite accurate. The rains fell for 40 days, but the amount of time that Noah and his family and the animals were on the ark was substantially longer. From the day when they all entered into the ark and we hear that God shuts the door and the rains began to fall and the ark began to float on the water, from that day until the day when the waters finally receded and the ark came to rest and they finally opened the door and came back out on dry land, it was an entire year. One year went by, and I can only imagine that during that time, when Noah and this small group of people, his, his sons and their families, and this small group of animals that were all together on a boat were just floating around in the water, and I can only imagine the sense of loss, the sense of disruption, the sense of pain and gloom that they were probably feeling. Maybe we can, uh, we can relate to that given our present circumstances. Now, granted, we're not floating around on a boat, but that same amount of time has gone by when our lives have been utterly upended. But as that story comes to a close and it opens up with where we find ourselves today, we find ourselves in the direct aftermath when God makes a promise. Now we hear this several times over the course of this short passage that I read. God is making a covenant. I make my covenant between you. I establish this covenant not only with Noah and not only with his sons and with the animals that were on there, but with all life and for all generations. This promise that God is making that not only applies to the small handful of, of, of individuals and animals, but to all life throughout the generations. This promise, this covenant, and God says it not just once, but over and over again, a couple of times we, we hear God say, I'm establishing my covenant with you. And a couple of times we hear, this is the covenant that I make with you. And a, and a couple more times we hear, here is the sign of the covenant. And folks, that right there, the sign of the covenant, that is what we are grabbing a hold of today. 
and you probably know what it is. God says, I will set my bow in the heavens, and when I see it, I will remember this promise. I will remember this covenant that I have made, and no longer will I ever destroy the earth by flood again. Now, folks, I'm saying the word promise quite a bit, but I'm also saying the word covenant. And covenant, that's kind of an interesting word, isn't it? We might also think of a covenant like a contract. And typically, when we think of a contract or when we think of a covenant, we think of two different parties kind of each bringing something to the table. They all are making a promise on both sides. I will do this, and I will do this, and as long as we both honor that, then we're good in the middle. But this one's different. This covenant is utterly one-sided. God is not asking anything of humanity in this. God is simply saying, I am making you a promise and I'm making a sign of it that will serve as a reminder for you and it will also serve as a reminder for me. And when I see it, I will remember this promise that I made to you and never again will I destroy the earth by flood. The sign of the covenant is the rainbow. And folks, rainbows are amazing. I have seen some wondrous rainbows in my day. I've seen them right here in Underwood every once in a while when a storm will, an afternoon storm will come rolling through or an evening storm and the sun's kind of off in the west and the storm rolls off to the east and I come out in the parking lot and I look out there and oh, there's this gorgeous, uh, this gorgeous, gorgeous rainbow. But folks, the place where I have seen the most amazing, epic, Vivid Rainbows is in a place that's literally named after it. Rainbow Trail Lutheran Bible Camp out in the mountains of Colorado. Now let me set the scene for you because this has happened many times in the roughly 15 different times I've been out there uh, in the middle of summer for, for Bible camp. The camp itself is set on the eastern side of a mountain range, about 8,500 feet, and then there's this large open valley that kind of opens out farther down to the east away from the camp. And a lot of summer afternoons, um, you begin to see up over the mountains, up behind the camp, the clouds are beginning to build up as, as the moisture sort of builds, and then gradually they come up and they crest the mountain, and about three, four o'clock in the afternoon, this epic storm comes rolling down the mountain towards you, and it starts to rain, and it rains hard for about 15 minutes and then the storm passes and the clouds keep on rolling down the mountain over into the valley and that amazing vivid ultra bright mountain sun is up there behind you once the clouds have passed over and that bright light is shining down into the moisture that's left from the storm as it passes and boom here come the rainbows now vivid vivid, vivid rainbows. They happen often. I've seen doubles. I've even seen a complete triple rainbow. It's so amazing as you get the contrast from all of this moisture, all of this, this, this rain that's still left in the air after the storm has passed with the ultra bright light that's behind it. They have to come together and you have to have both aspects. You got to have the sun and you got to have the rain. You got to have the storm in order to get this rainbow, in order to have this sign. And I think that's something important for us to remember. If we don't have the storm, if we don't have the disruption, if we don't have the hardship met with the hope of the light, of the sun, of, of, of the promise, whatever we want to call it, if we don't have one, then the other one won't shine as brightly. Now, this is not to say 
that the hardships that we face, whether it's our own personal hardships or if it's the hardship of COVID or, or the hardship of midwinter blues or whatever we wanna call it, this is not to say that these are good things. Let me be clear. I don't believe them to be good, but I do believe that the presence of those hardships met with the promise that we have of new life made possible by God through Jesus, when those begin to come together, that's when we get these amazing signs, these signs for us, whether it's a rainbow or whether it's just a recognition of the hope that we find that this, this hardship is not the end. Now, sometimes we can see that for ourselves. Sometimes we can find that hope and we can cling to that hope and we can sing that song, the sun will come out tomorrow. But sometimes, folks, we need someone else to point it out to us. We need to have that sign reflected to us because we are in the midst of the turmoil. The storm is still blowing. The flood is still raging and we are not out of it yet. And this is what we are called to be for one another. This is why we are called to gather together as the body of Christ and to reflect the perfect light of Christ out into this dark world that we are a part of so that those who are in the midst of the turmoil might find the hope when they can either see or hear you say those words the sun will come out tomorrow. Maybe I can't see it right now, and maybe I need to rely on you to see it for me and to be there and support me, and then next time I might be able to reflect it back to you. This is what we are called to do for one another as we are as the body of Christ for one another and for this world. As I continue to think about this season that we're in, as I continue to think about this ongoing disruption of COVID and the hardship that that brings, let us cling to the hope that we find that this is not the end. There is hope on the horizon, a hope that's made possible through the, not only the life and the death of Jesus, but ultimately by the resurrection of Jesus, which we will celebrate at Easter about five more weeks from now, whether we are gathered together or whether we are gathering in the digital realm, however we gather to celebrate it, we will do so and acknowledge the fact that the sun will come out on Easter. Bet your bottom dollar that on Easter we'll see the sun. May we find that hope. May we cling to that hope, knowing that that hope is for you and it is for all flesh as we hear from God. I make this promise, and this is the sign that you will see. Amen.